Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports, and we appreciate you uh, giving some of uh, your time here uh, to the radio program. BMW of Des Moines guest list shapes up like this at the bottom of the hour. The very latest on the Iowa Hawkeyes was Scott Docterman. He was in the building for Rutgers, but a lot of football conversation as nobody wants to leave Iowa. Why would you, I guess, when it comes right down to it, that defense Defense. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I know Cooper DeGene's gone, but we'll get into that. Uh, what's remaining coming up here with Doc uh, at 11.30. Bama Bob will join Trent and I to preview tonight's national championship game. It's Michigan, it's Washington, and we will uh, get the latest on it and uh, kind of opine on how we see this thing. Some of the keys to the football game. Bama Bob, Trent and I at 12.05 before Alec Bussey joins us on Iowa State. They fell on the road uh, to Oklahoma on uh, Saturday. Uh, I guess it was evening. And uh, then play tomorrow night. They'll host Houston. Hopefully the roads will be clear. But you know what, Cyclone fans, we've seen this in the past. Even if it is a little inconvenient, most of them find their way to Ames and will take their seat and watch the, I think, the number two team in the country. Did I see that? Two or three. Uh, Houston, the Cougars come to town with a very good basketball team as Iowa State tries to even their Big 12 record at 1-1. One and one. Playoffs are set. Trent Condon joins me. How are you, TC? Doing well. We're uh, batting down the hatches here, getting ready for our first winter storm of the season. So getting ready back here and you're making your way back into the blizzard. Have fun with that. Yeah, leaving uh, timing's everything, right? So we <laughs> can leave first thing tomorrow morning and make our way back across the country, four-day trip. But um, actually looking forward to come, uh, coming home to snow or not. Um, looking forward to getting back home and getting back in tow and a uh, little normalcy as opposed. It's been fun. I get that. But um, yeah, time to get home. You know what I want to start with you? With everything that's going on, football, basketball, Mint, etc. Let's just give Bill Fennelly a little tip of the cap right off the bat here. Uh, win number six hundred uh, for Bill Fennelly. That that's remarkable. I mean, this guy in nineteen ninety five he started at uh, at Iowa State, um, and, and here he is all these years later, still winning basketball games. So tip of the cap to you, Bill Fennelly. I think to where he's got the apparently he's clipped out the box score from his first game as coach at. Uh, uh, at uh, at Iowa State, and there was 300 and something people in attendance <laughs> for that game. Oh, how things have changed! But well done, Bill Fennelly, 600. That's a pile. I mean, that's a record that I don't think I'll ever be topped. Um, but uh, well done, Bill Fennelly, and uh, here's to many more for you. Absolutely, and you know, you mentioned the program, the attendance that was there. I mean, you talk about a morbid program. That's what Iowa State women's basketball was at the time, and obviously, what he's developed it into, what it's become, uh, the successes, not just the successes though, it just the fan base. I mean, that's building a fan base basically from scratch and, and getting them to believe and to show up every single time. That's incredibly impressive. Where There's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of things to do. But we know those Iowa State fans, the way that they support that program, the way that they've done it year in and year out, it's incredibly impressive. Not an easy thing to do to build a program in that fashion. A lot of success. And so for more, looks like he's got a young group. And yeah. <laughs> certainly destined to to make some noise here going forward. No, a lot of folks very excited about that freshman class, no doubt. 600 wins at Iowa State. Here's the other remarkable thing about it. 
He started when it was the Big Eight. It was still the Big Eight in his first year, believe it or not. And that seems like it was forever. It was forever right. ago. So <laughs> unbelievable. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get uh, delve into uh, the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones. Uh, we'll touch on the football coming up at some point. Scott Dockerman again at the bottom of the hour. I want to start Iowa football with you, Trent. Nick okay. Jackson was, you know, when we would talk to Tom Cakert or to Eichholt or to Bowen Camp or to Doc, it seemed like Nick Jackson was of the decisions that were uh, left to be made, the most likely to move on. Did you see it that way? Yeah. I mean, of the guys that are realistic, you know, we've kind of mentioned Eric All, and it just seems kind of to be a non-starter with him. But yeah, of that group that was talked about, I guess the most, Nick Jackson was definitely the one that it felt like was kind of had one foot out the door. And I uh, I did hear that it came a surprise to some people inside the football. Oh, offices. really? Yeah, okay. They, they thought it was fait accompli that he was out of there, that he was yeah. moving on and he was going to give it a shot at the next level. But you do have to give credit once again to the Swarm Collective and Brad Heinrichs and company, what they were able to do, putting together a package to get him back for another season. I mean, that one-two punch you go from, you look at the linebacker group, it's a lot of young dudes, right? And you're, yeah. oh boy. All of a sudden you have an All-American in Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, who was at best okay early in the year in September. But this is a guy not only coming into a new system, learning the way that Phil Parker wants things to be done, which is very specific, and mm-hmm. it's going through a lot of very probably mundane things, I'm sure, for a guy that's, what, 22 years old? What, I, I have to go through another 10-minute drill of hand placement? But that's what you have to do when you play for Phil Parker, is doing those mundane kind of things, game in and game out, practice in and practice out. By the time it got to October, though, he looked incredibly comfortable. A guy that was a middle linebacker in Virginia for four seasons, he goes over there, and he figured it out very quickly. It helped having Jay Higgins. It helped having that front, absolutely. But he really played a lot better football, I thought, over the final two months of the season. That one-two punch, coupled with what they have up front, this defense is going to be elite once again. And, and to throw Castro into the mix, too, a guy that the cash position, they've had three excellent ones, right? Amadi Hooker, Dane Belton, and now Sebastian Castro. Pro, pro. And they're all different in their own ways. They're all kind of built differently. Belton would be more of your... Uh, kind of corner type skills that he had along with being a safety is his prototypical uh, system. Hooker, another guy that was just a playmaker. And now you have Castro that's added even more physicality. I would wonder, you know, Phil Parker, when he came up with this idea of basically moving to a four-two-five defense, what was his prototype? What was the kind of player? I think it might have been Castro because of the physicality that he has coupled with you look at the number, numbers from Pro Football Focus, this is one of the best cover guys out there in college football this past season. I wonder if this was the guy that he was thinking about when he was putting it together. This is the kind of guy that I want to run cash. They've had three excellent ones. Castro for another year. He's got a real big chance to have another monster season. No, Trent, you're 100% right. He just he loves to knock the crap out of you. He does. Yeah. And they showed uh, um, Twitter or whoever was putting together the clips, um, wherever you found it, was um, the Nebraska game. <laughs> Love running back in that offensive line. I mean, he's just mad. And this isn't a defensive tackle. This isn't a Dominican Sue type of a build. This is a guy that just, oh, just lever- uses it to his advantage. So, Craig Herkett, mm-hmm. Black, Aaron Graves. Yes. Your front, your starting front four. It's pretty good. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Castro is cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you mentioned Jackson and Higgins. Um, Wamka? Yep. Entringer? Yep. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I think those are the two if Schulte doesn't come back and he's getting ready Harrison, to go. Harrison 
dental school. Okay. So dental school is going to oh, be he? for Schulte. So he's got kind of like McKenna Warnock last year on the women's basketball team. Could have yeah. come back for another season. Oh, let's get a real career get going. And, and that's a possibility. And that's what Schulte apparently is going for there. If that's the case, I do wonder at safety if Wampa moves over to the free safety position and you put yeah, you said that last week. Yeah, if you put yeah, him yeah. over at the strong side. But regardless, I think they feel really good about that. And then two, at minimum, solid cornerbacks. Is that fair to say with Jamari yeah. Harrison, Deshaun Lee? I, I totally agree with you. This defense for the third, well, it's more than that, but they've been elite now for two straight years. Um, maybe a little bit, um, tiny, tiny step back this year from two years ago. Uh, but, but boy, oh boy, they're going to be loaded as the new look Big Ten, uh, will be upon us. So that's outstanding. Since we're talking Iowa, they needed a win, Trent. Mm-hmm. Rutgers was the right team to show up in Iowa City over the weekend and, uh, and good for them as, uh, it, it really was never close um terrific win good to see gotta keep it going i mean that that's one there's still a lot of work to be done to, to be done but love peyton sanford finding his shooting eye again perkins your guy was perkins freeman was terrific uh, uh cricky was able to stay out of foul trouble what a difference that makes um and josh dixon the starting lineup your thoughts yeah i, I that was the one that i'm like okay but Dix played well, four assists in a game, had four rebounds, did a little bit of everything, only one turnover there. So he did what you wanted to at that spot. I maintain I'd like to see either Bowen or Harding get more, but that's not the case right now. You're right, though. They played the perfect team. They came out hot. They came out hot in the second half and really kind of cruised into the victory there. It's what they needed. It was some positivity, but the story remains Patrick McCaffrey. So the release comes out that says that he will miss the game because of illness. And, and then he shows up. He shows up, and he's on the bench during the second half of the game, had his hood up for a while. Illness can mean more than just sickness, yep. right? Yep. And they yep. said exactly that, but this is the exact same time as a year ago when he went on the pause, and then Iowa got hot, coming off that Eastern Illinois loss. All of a sudden, they were dug themselves a 0-3 hole in the Big Ten a year ago and dug themselves out of it. But it coincided with Patrick McCaffrey. Is is it something there? I'm sure we'll hear from Fran early this week before the Friday game against Nebraska. 8.30 tip-off, by the way, for that one. It'll be a late night for you on a Friday when you get back home. But, mm-hmm. you know, you do wonder if we're going to hear out hear more about this, if it was an illness. He wouldn't be there, right? You wouldn't have him around the team. I wouldn't think so, no. Sick. Right. So it makes your mind go back to the other way. And we've talked about Patrick and, and how difficult a conversation it is for what we mm-hmm. do, talking yep. about the mental illness side. And you certainly don't want to deride anybody, but he just has not looked comfortable out there. He has not looked confident. He has not looked aggressive. Two offensive rebounds all season long. Five fouls against him all season long. Five. That's just not being mm-hmm. aggressive. That's going through the motions. And maybe this is the mental health break that he mm-hmm. needs. He did it a year ago, and he came back, and he did play much better. Yep. And he saw he did. that. Can you put him on the bench again and go that direction and, and take away maybe some of the I know, angst that can be with starting? I, I don't know what it is, but there's absolutely something that needs to be kind of understood here of what this is because it was a weird look to say he's going to miss the game because of illness, and then he's over there on the sideline. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And look, everybody wants it to turn out well for Patrick McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. And if he needs to be away from the team like he was last year, so be it. When you're ready to come back, they'll welcome you 
as they would anybody, just not with the last name of McCaffrey, if this happened to be anybody on this roster. I, I want to believe, and I do totally believe, that they would uh, approach it and handle it the exact same way. So you're right. I think Fran will probably uh, say something here uh, next time that uh, opportunity arises. And with them not playing until Friday, I'm not sure they'll have the Tuesday availability or when it will be. But he'll certainly speak at some point, and we'll know more at that time. But everybody's rooting for Patrick McCaffrey, whatever ails him, uh, to uh, be able to put that behind him. And look, if basketball's not part of it, live a normal life. Just, just be you and um, and uh, do what steps, what's, what you have to do uh, to make your life um, a lot more uh, smoother, et cetera. So anyways, let's um, just real quick on Rutgers. The end of the first half kind of worried me a little bit uh-huh. because Iowa was really putting the pedal down, right? And they let him back in. Mag was unbelievable, by yes. the way. Oh, my God. Knocking down shots. It was what? shot after shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mag got him back in the basketball game. So I guess, yes, it was a win. It was a comfortable win. But if McCaffrey wants to, you know, light a little bit of a fire under him, I would think that that would be where he would start. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The end of the, the end of the first half. It, first half. Yeah. yeah. Letting them get back into the game, cut it to seven, but they just came out and they responded. You mentioned Sanford getting that shot going. It's incredibly important. They need Sanford mm-hmm. to be a guy that is consistent pretty much every single game that he's out there pumping in some threes, doing some other things. Uh, Defensively, this team is much better with Cricky and Freeman out there. Saw some numbers over the weekend. Those two guys, when they play together, make this, for Iowa standards, for McCaffrey standards, an okay team defensively, something that they're usually not even okay Mm -hmm. when you put those two guys out there together. Yeah, you give up a little bit having two bigs out there on the floor, but because Cricky's so good in the mid-range too, you can get away with it. His ability to knock down that 18-footer from the outside, it makes it certainly more plausible on the offensive end for them to play at the high level. This team, it's a long ways to go. You mentioned it. One and three now. It's Friday night against Nebraska. Have to win it. You go to Minnesota, you have to win it. You're not beating Purdue. And then after that, it's Maryland at home, at Michigan, at Indiana. That's your winnable stretch. And then Ohio State at home mm-hmm. after that. I mean, mm-hmm. as we flip the calendar into February, so what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. That's seven games. And the one after that's Penn State. That's eight games. And that's Minnesota for that. It's nine. Okay, nine games here. Six and three, probably. That would be great. Yeah. Yep, that would be great. Sign for that in a heartbeat. Six and three, that would put them at seven and six going into the final stretch. Now, it's difficult, and we've talked about that in the past, but got to pile up the wins now. And it starts on Friday night. It needs to continue. A Nebraska team that's played good basketball. We've seen Mm -hmm. that throughout the course of the year. But inconsistent. And they got run out of the gym by Wisconsin. I wasn't surprised by that. The Badgers are really playing well. Wisconsin, they they, great guard. It was a step back last year. I, I think a lot of people were surprised just how bad it got, but they made a little bit of a run in the NIT. Here they are with a lot of guys returning, coming back this season. You mentioned A.J. Store. That's a good team. I don't think that says a whole lot about Nebraska that they got blown out there. This is going to be a solid team, and one that if you win this one Friday night, then you can start to dream a little bit more. You lose it again, and it's again a lost season, kind of like we talked about going into the Rutgers game. No, I'm with you. I don't think five and four is good enough uh, with this stretch to, uh, when you consider the hole that they've dug themselves early in the season. So, yep, six and three. Why 830, Trent? Any idea? I would anticipate it has something to do with TV, right? There's probably sure, it has to. Yeah, right. some, something else going six. on. Right, yeah. Six, six thirty, something like that. I don't know if it's a men's or women's game, but that would be my anticipation of the reason behind it. Well, looking at the schedule here, 530, that's on FS1, though, Minnesota IU. 
Do they have a wrestling meet before that? Could be something mm. like that. Could be women's basketball. But 8.30, late tip. Did you see the attendance figures, by the way, in Carver on Saturday? I did not. I did not. Take a step. Saturday game, that's what we've heard. Fan base wants uh, on Saturday. Early morning. Yep. 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, I would like to think I would like to think all north of 11,000. That's what I was thinking, too. Paid attendance. 9,273. Yeah. Fan base. Bought women's tickets. They did. It's true. No, you're exactly. I mean, how many people in the past had men's tickets and decided, you know what? For Mm -hmm. one year, let's go this direction. Yeah. And And it wasn't easy to do. It was like Doc Fuller tried to do it. (laughs) He he tried to get us women's tickets and he's, um, you know, bought tickets forever. And as he, as he does and gives us season tickets to to all of the, to the football, et cetera, but he couldn't get them. Uh, anyways, uh, he's not alone. Uh, but I think that that has a lot to do with it. Meanwhile, in Norman, Oklahoma was uh, beating Iowa State. Look, four minutes left in the basketball game. Iowa State's got the lead. And just just, just down the stretch, just couldn't make a shot, Trent. And Lipsy had as bad of a shooting day as he has ever had as, as a Cyclone. He's not going to have those. I mean, I hope that's it, right, mm-hmm. that he's got his bad one out of him. Warden Jones, I love those two guys. Uh, interchangeable parts there. Monchilovich, man, he had a couple of looks late in that basketball game from three. And you're thinking of one of those fall, you know, starting to get away a little bit it was four it was five and then Monchilovich had a couple of really good looks um dead center and just and just couldn't get him to fall uh and what might have been but look the road's going to be any place is going to be tough in the big 12 it is an absolute meat grinder Iowa State had a chance to get one in the end Oklahoma takes it there was a, a part of the first half of the game where the two leading scorers were guys off the bench it was uh, Ward who of course came out and played incredibly well and I think Curtis Jones were the mm-hmm. top two scorers at that time with, I don't know, four or five minutes left, something like that, as I was looking at the back box score uh, during the course of the game. It, do we just chalk it up to it was one of those games where offensively you couldn't do it? Oklahoma's mm-hmm. a good defensive team. That's a very veteran group, though they're together for the first time together and a lot of new faces. Obviously with Porter Moser preaches, going back to his days at Loyola, is on the defensive end of the floor. Do we chalk it up to that, or... Does the concern become, as we've seen in the past with TJ's team, you know they're going to defend you. However, those issues offensively go a little bit deeper than just not having guys that can knock down the shots. The simple part of it, maybe there's something schematically that you have to be concerned about because if this continues at this pace, we're talking about three years, three good years, but three years offensively that just are not very good. No, and, and this was going to be this was going to be the year that everything changed, right? Yes. As far as offensively, and we had Matt Postons on last week, late in the week, and he said as much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to clip and save that one. Yeah, uh, I look. I, I hope that that's not the case. I mean, Lipsy couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Gilbert has to take more than five shots in the basketball game. I'm sorry. Yes. When Iowa State scoring and doing well, Gilbert's more. Active. Did he get to the free throw? No, he didn't shoot a free throw. For mm-hmm. crying out loud! So he has to be more active. Trey King is Trey King. He's going to give you what he gives you some nights he'll give you you know nine or ten other nights two or three uh, I thought Watson was good although he didn't score I thought he was very effective in the game um, but again Mom Chilovich had a couple of dead yeah. looks mm-hmm. and just couldn't bury him and, and Lipsy's 
He's, he's got to be better. He knows it. Uh, and I just chalked that one up as he got that bad game out of his system, and hopefully it all comes together for him tomorrow. I'll say this about Oklahoma. That Godwin guy really improved or impressed me. And this Hughley, what does he weigh? <laughs> I mean, this this is a big dude. He's listed at 275. If he's 275, Jesus. I'm under two. I, that guy, <laughs> he is a monster, absolutely. He's a load. And I told you, McCullum, he's fun to watch, isn't he? Yes, he is. You're he, 100% he, right. He can get to the rim. He can turn the corner. He's not a big guy. I mean, he could take a couple of the LBs, I think, away from uh, Hugley, and, and they'd be in good shape there. But yeah, McCollum's a really good player. And he played, I mean, giving up a lot of size to Tame and Lipsy. Lipsy's what? 40 pounds heavier? I mean, when you talk about strength between the two guys, mm-hmm. I thought he was really good defensively, though. Really frustrating Lipsy and what they did overall. It's a loss on the road in the Big 12. There's going to be plenty of those throughout the course of the season. But the opportunity now in front, I've been saying it for weeks now, this is where Houston goes down. Uh, Saturday, after Saturday, I don't feel quite as confident as I did. <laughs> but I had number one at a lot of the events metrics for Houston. Of course, the last undefeated team left in college basketball. They had a laugher against West Virginia over the weekend, winning that one by 34. Going to be different. Cyclone fans get charged up, and hopefully the weather cooperates. We'll get a banged-out Hilton Coliseum because that should be a fun one tomorrow night. No, I'm with you. What time does it tip? Six o'clock. So, uh, Jesus, oh, you're doing the math. I'd have to leave a little earlier than uh, I originally uh-huh. anticipated to get sequestered uh, in uh, tomorrow night, night one in Phoenix. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk NFL uh, from over the weekend. Um, one seeds aside, take Baltimore, take San Francisco. Of the remaining twelve teams that make the playoffs, is there one you like more than the other? One whose path, one who's playing better, one regardless of you think that, uh, no, it's not going to be the one seed out of this conference it's going to be. I think it's the number two seed, the team that we saw last night, find a way to do it in a game that Josh Allen was just making some boneheaded plays. It was the bad Josh Allen. They tried to give it away, didn't they? They they absolutely did, and then it all flips on a punt return. They dominated in terms of yardage, that football game, but Mm -hmm. it was just mistake after mistake, a fumble, an interception. It was just... One thing after another, but that flipped it right after they get the ball back. After the punt return, they drive right down again and look like the team. And all of a sudden, they go from a team that going into the weekend could have been on the outside looking in. They're the number two seed with a laugher against the Steelers coming up, like Mason Rudolph. Those are the kind of quarterbacks that are you always better get against come playoff time. Yeah. Then they and no get, TJ Watt. You get either the Chiefs. If the Chiefs win, it'll be them heading to Buffalo. I am willing to lay certainly four and a half, five, five and a half. I I think the Bills probably are touchdown better right now in Buffalo against Kansas City. If it's not them, it could be the Texans or the Browns. The Bills are in really good shape. I I love their path here, and we still have the lingering question of Lamar in the playoffs. He's one in three in his career, and that's still out there. Of the remaining teams, taking the number one aside, it's kind of an easy way out with the number two seed, but it's Buffalo for me. Yeah, I think you're right, Trent. Uh, maybe uh, the Sam Laporta news was not good. I, I like yeah. the way Detroit was playing. And I'm a big Dan Campbell fan. His team plays hard for him. Um, yeah, but the Laporta news was certainly unfortunate. Yeah, I think it's Buffalo, Trent. I really do. And, and you laid out the path perfectly. What do you make and how much, I guess, blowback um, is is there from locally? Well, first of all, you know what? Let's let's go back to yesterday. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't see the Bears and the Packers. No, it was one of the most idiotic decisions I've ever seen. Uh, to put a Kansas City Chargers game that means absolutely nothing. Obviously, the Chargers are eliminated, and your tickets are ripped up. All those futures that you had. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> in L.A. 
But Kansas City was locked into the number three seed. There Holmes were wasn't playing. Other markets in the state that were able to change as they got the Kansas City game and moved to the Bears. You Do we know that for sure? Yeah, that's... Then that's an awful job on KCCI. When the map came out from 506 initially, the whole state, Eastern Iowa and Western Iowa, also had the Kansas City game. By the time that Sunday came around, though, those had flipped. Not the case here. I don't know how this works with the NFL. I don't know if Kansas City is now considered a home market for us and their success. Obviously, the numbers that they've done recently, I'm sure, are through the roof. Mm -hmm. But come on. I mean, this is the most common sense thing. Is it an NFL thing? Is it a KCCI thing? I don't know for sure. But whoever made that decision, you made it wrong. That is absolutely not even close to what you need to be putting up there. A game that means nothing. As opposed right. to a win, and, and you have two local teams involved. That's just it. The two of the regional teams are playing. Fields' future with the Bears is on the line. The Packers' playoffs are on the line, and we don't. And you guys don't get that game. Now, look, at, I don't know. I, I I do know how it used to work. Okay, mm-hmm. yes. Because we we had this fight for years. This used to constantly be a topic on a show that I was a part of. When, at least early in the week. The local affiliates, both 17 and KCCI, Paul Fredrickson was running the show over there. Mm-hmm. I don't even think he's with us anymore, sadly. He was a good guy. Um, they could, and I believe Heidi was the sports director. Heidi Solidy was the sports director at the time. So this is where the information was coming from. They could request that they get this game, not that game. Mm-hmm. So if they were actually able to get get off Chiefs Chargers as a number of other markets in our state did then somebody was asleep at the switch yeah. but if it was the NFL dictating to KCCI and i'm sure that'll be the story from KCCI <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, today, right yeah that they have to take the chiefs then they I mean then uh, you know all bets are off right they they had to do what they were told to do but if there was a possibility to get away from this game and I want to find this out mm-hmm. I really do then that's a terrible terrible look out of KCCI and you know is it Scott Reisner's decision does it go above his head it, it didn't used to be Heidi it was somebody over Heidi so I would imagine yeah. if the protocols are the same there wouldn't be Reister that get you know that gets to um ultimately make that decision. I want to believe that he would make the right decision. I'm Absolutely. sure he would. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy one. And, it's easy. Yes. And if we were splitting hairs, if this did mean something for Kansas City too, be it seating, whatever it is, even then, I, I don't know. And I don't know the TV numbers, but just from the outside looking in, two regional teams versus one regional team, mm-hmm. it seems like that on the surface should be a very easy decision. Who called the game? That was uh, Nance and Romo. Oh, they called. They called the Bears. They called the Bears. Yeah, game. yeah. Who called the Chiefs game? Oh, the uh, Spiro Ditas. Somebody we've never heard of is Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta. You know what? My, my pushback was always this: take the easy way out. Where's the A team going? Yeah. Where are Nance and Romo going to be? Go there. <laughs> Put that game on uh-huh. because that's the big game. They're not sending their, you know, fourth and fifth ranked team to the best games of the week. They're sending them to the games that matter the most. Follow Nance, follow Romo, conversely follow, is it Burkhart and Olsen <laughs> yep. uh, on, on Fox now? Whatever game they're going to, they're telling you that's the best game. Go there if it, if it's, it comes down to that decision.
seems easy to me. It does. Now, I know I have heard a lot that the NFL has a lot more. And, and I do wonder, just with proximity now to Kansas City and their success, if this was something dictated above KCCI's head. I know that wasn't the case for a long time, but anymore, the NFL, the power that they have, and obviously mm-hmm. these TV contracts, if it's there, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm with you. Yep. I, would, I would love to hear kind of the thought process, how this goes, and when you make a request, and even if maybe a request was made, and they were just told by the NFL, no, sorry, yeah. you're you're a Chiefs affiliate for all intents and purposes, and yeah. unless there's other dictating factors, that's who you're going to get. On the surface, it seemed like a complete miss, though, from KCCI. No, I couldn't agree with you more. So what's the pushback uh, to the uh, Saturday night game with the Chiefs on Peacock? I'm sure that's going over well. Well, and I'm going to anticipate that they're, I mean, my dad's a Chiefs fan. He's not going to be able to figure this thing out. I'm already waiting the phone call. In fact, I got to give him a call and tell him because I don't think he has Peacock. And... There's no way he's going to be able to figure it out. So he's going to be SOL. I mean, it's going to be as simple as that. And, and he's not going to be alone. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to shell out the money. There will be ple- people that are. I think I heard the number. Peacock, their subscriber base right now is around 30 million, something like that. What's ESPN Plus? Any idea? I don't know offhand what it is. But at 30 million, how many people sign up just for the week? And I don't know if they have a trial or what they have or just sign up for a month, whatever it is. Do you get an extra two, three, four million people mm-hmm. that do it? Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, there's. Yeah. we know the reason behind it, right? It's Taylor Swift. Yeah. Now, because we were considered maybe a Kansas City market, I mean, they will put the game on locally in Kansas City. Well, why can't they put game on locally here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make, <laughs> if, a make good after this weekend. Right. If the NFL gave us a crap sandwich and said, oh, no, no, you're a Kansas City market, well, then you better serve it up here locally. And put it on one of whoever would get the game. Yeah. NBC, uh, obviously. Yeah, that's not how it works. Isn't no. that the Facebook? Isn't that the commercial? That's yeah. not how this works. <laughs> well, take a time out. Scott Doctor will join us on the Hawkeyes next. Miller and Condon underway in a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Before that, it's time for another thousand whoosh. There's the sound. Head to KXNO.com right now and enter this nationwide contest. The keyword for the 11 o'clock hour is green. Green for your chance at $1,000. Green. KXNO.com is where you go. Standard data and message rates apply. Stay tuned for your next chance to win. one of 27 When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, Miller 
around and welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Another keyword coming up in hour number two. Be listening for that and then throughout the afternoon with Murph and Andy and into the drive with Heather and Sean. Let's get our friend Scott Docterman in here from The Athletic. Uh, he was at Carver over the weekend, but I want to start football-wise for you, Doc, because the news just keeps coming regarding the Hawkeyes, although we haven't to the best of my knowledge, there hasn't been anything this morning, but uh, which surprised me the way it's coming. Uh, good to speak with you, Doc. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Nick Jackson says he's coming back for more. This defense, Doc, um, it's a new look Big Ten. I get that, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, does it look salty. Yeah, these are some really big moves for Iowa. I mean, to be able to get really the, the heart and soul of your second level all to return with Jay Higgins, Nick Jackson, Sebastian Castro, Kyler Fisher is coming back, and and Jamari Harris, a cornerback. I mean, you're really uh, setting yourself up nice. I mean, I understand that the Big Ten is going to be difficult, especially with two teams now uh, in the national title game tonight. Uh, Washington does come to Iowa City next year, but, but this gives Iowa a chance to really compete on that side of the ball. I mean, it was one of the best defenses in the country, and it led that it, it just the the most astounding stat to me, and, and of all of them both offense and defenses, but on defense, they led the country in yards per play allowed, yet they also were fourth in the nation in, mo- in most plays played by de- a defense. So uh, to be that efficient each and every down on that side of the ball and be out there as often as they were is just, it's astounding. And the fact that most of them are returning uh, with the exception of, of course, uh, Cooper DeGene, uh, Logan Lee, uh, Joe Evans, and, and potentially, Quinn Schulte, I mean, you're talking about um, a very salty unit that's going to be very competitive next year for one of the best uh, defenses units in the country. Roster crunch uh, continues to be the conversation along with scholarships, I believe, according to the scholarship chart over at Hawkeye Report with Tom Kaker and Blair, 89 right now, obviously have to get down to 85. Doesn't give them much flexibility as it pertains to the portal we got spring practice. Uh, the portal is now closed for uh, the guys that wanted to get in there before the next semester. But uh, there's going to be movement. We know that it happens every single year. How different is this, though, for Tyler Barnes, putting this roster together and, and trying to figure out and having what can be some difficult conversations with guys down on the depth chart? Yeah, I think there's some challenges ahead. I have them at 90 right now. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know if Kyler Fisher is counted in any of these, but he is coming back for sure. So, okay. uh, but, but they're going to have some uh, challenges, uh, no question with that. And they're going to really, they're going to have to try to figure out, you know, can they get a, can they try to get a quarterback and uh, that didn't work out, but mm-hmm. you know, I think they're going to need a receiver and a quarterback probably, <clears throat> um, you know, going forward. So if you're looking at six, seven spots that you're going to have to uh, make, <laughs> you know, make adjustments for, I mean, but the fact is, Trent, you know that there's going to be players that exit after spring. It just happens. It's it's organic. Um, you know, you, they have seven running backs right now under scholarship. I would really be surprised if all seven after spring decide, you know what, I want to come back here. I could I could see two leaving. You know, and then mm-hmm. and then you have a couple of other players that have been injured for a few years and just haven't progressed, or they're at best third on the depth chart, third team on the depth chart, um, and at multiple spots. So I think a lot of that attrition is going to happen organically. They may get to the point, though, because it doesn't. you don't have to make it happen today. It could be, you know, as late as August that they'll look at this and they'll find a player or two that just, 
maybe they're they're not progressing the way they want to. Maybe things are too challenging. They'll put them on medical scholarship. They'll they'll find a way, and and a lot of it may be, hey, we'll help you find another spot so you can actually get on the field because we just don't see it happening. I I don't think these are obscene numbers. I mean, I, I think anything less than ten at this stage is is okay for for most programs workable doc i want to go back to the news from last week ty thompson uh was coming that he wasn't that now he's at tulane as we know which leads me to believe that uh, there's there's clearly an interest amongst iowa in bringing in either competition or insurance for the oft injured cade mcnamara is that how you see it doc that is uh, is is he would ty thompson have legitimately competed for that job um or is it more of an insurance policy, the quarterback that they're going to try and find in the portal? I think it's a little of both, honestly, because you, if Cade McNamara gets injured for the third straight season and you know misses, uh, you know, significant time, you could not have what you had this year. That was unacceptable at any level of football to have that kind of play at quarterback. And so, if that means Ty Thompson would have been that guy, absolutely. I think you know. Cade McNamara is not going to be able to like, go through spring football as a uh, uh, starter. He's not going to be able to take snaps with the team because he's still recuperating from an ACL. So if you bring in, I'm not, you know, obviously it's not Ty Thompson now, but if you bring in somebody right. like that uh, to come in, you're going to watch them with with great scrutiny. I mean, if they come in and, and they compete and look good doing it, and you have a new offensive coordinator. I can't imagine that. I mean, Cade McNamara has not been here long enough to have that kind of equity that he's automatically the starter. So if somebody comes in and it looks good playing that type of new offense, and um, then I think it, at minimum it's a, it's a big-time competition come August. Uh, you know, you don't you don't owe Kate anything. Uh, so I, I think that would be the, the case. But also if it's not, if, if Kate still is the starter, if he wins that competition, if he's better by then, then I think you'd at least have an upgrade at number two. And, and possibly Marco Lainez may figure into that as well. But you just can't have what you had this year. This That was unacceptable in any level of football. Timeline for the new OC. Uh, Kirk said second to third week in January. Well, we're into the second week now, but it doesn't feel like anything is imminent. What have you heard on the latest on the offensive coordinator? Is it a waiting process? Do you think Kirk has his guy? Give us a little speculation here on the new OC. Yeah, um, talking to, you know, and again, I get a lot of, uh, you know, feedback. I just uh, try to decide how much of it's useful and how much of it it's just, you know, <laughs> hot air. Uh, one person told me close to the program that they have, he's down to two, okay. um, that that uh, Paul Christ is one of them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there's the potential for, you know, maybe Paul Christ bringing in a wide receiver coach like Bobby Ingram or something like that. Um, now, again, that, that's all speculative. I think Kirk also wanted to make sure that all the boxes were checked. You know, tonight there's one more game, and and there is an Iowa native calling plays for Washington. Is he uh, would he be a potential? Would he be interested or not? Um, and then the NFL season just ended yesterday. There's going to be a lot of really good uh, coaches fired. There were yesterday, and there there are today. I mean, does Kirk know any of them? Does he like any of them? Does he want to pick any of their brains? I think that's why he's kind of going through this timetable of second to third week, and and uh, you know, so we'll, we'll find out a little bit more probably in the next three to four days what direction he's leaning, and maybe he has somebody in mind that he really wants. But but overall, I think he's right on his time frame, and and there are uh, 
you know, but I, I have heard that they are down to only a couple of, of candidates that he likes at this point. Hmm. Any changes to Ference's staff? Any other changes, Doc, that we don't know about yet? I've heard, uh, you know, and again, these are catching strays a little bit that there might be, uh, might be some changes kind of coinciding with what the OC wants to do, but potentially at wide receiver coach, but uh, that's not confirmed. That's more speculative at this point. So uh, I would not be surprised if there's a change there. Um, I have not heard anything regarding offensive line coach, which I know a lot of people have speculated about, but uh, you know, there, there has been at least some discussion about wide receiver coach. Made your way to Carver and saw the Iowa men pick up their first Big Ten win of the season. Still a lot of work to do to even be thinking about getting onto the bubble. Continues on Friday night against Nebraska, but a good win defensively. Okay at times. Struggled at the end of the half, but making shots from the outside from Sanford. That was great to see. Overall, 7-14 from downtown. They shoot the ball. They can do all right there and did it without Patrick McCaffrey. Your takeaway from Saturday. It was absolutely the most the uh, most must win game. I mean, they yep. had to win that game or this season was over, yep. basically for any hope for the postseason. And uh, you know, when you look at the attendance, I mean, ninety two hundred on a Saturday at eleven o'clock at Carver, that was not you know what you want if you're the program. So you have to continue to prove that to people. I mean, they got in a, a late Friday night game at, at Carver this week. Uh, most of the students should be back or close to back. So you'd hope that you get a good uh, crowd there. But, you know, this team's got some pieces to where I think that they can win a game or two that nobody expects, and they're probably going to continue to lose some close games. Um, But I do think when you have Peyton Sanford hitting shots like that, uh, you know, and the way that they came out of the second half, firing and and him in particular, and, and then the way Tony Perkins really just fought, you know, and made some tough shots. I, I think this team's still capable of having a decent season. It's just uh, they've got an uphill climb because even though the Big Ten is not a real powerful conference other than Purdue, it still has a lot of teams that are probably in a little bit better shape than they are. So uh, this is a pivotal game as well. In Nebraska, a team kind of on the rise, played well, blew out Indiana, um, playing at home. You've got to win this game if you want to continue to put yourself in that conversation of, uh, you know, maybe being on the bubble, as you say, Trent. Uh, Doc, uh, get you out of here on this. Uh, well, before we get, I'm going to get your pick on tonight's game because it does feature two big ten, ten teams after all. Uh, but prior to that, you uh, at the athletic, you you do a lot draft wise. One of the teams, um, obviously in in uh, our region, the Chicago Bears, and the decision that awaits them. I believe you're also a Bears fan. I think Morehouse was the Packer. You were the Bear. Um, <laughs> Fan wise, Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. And it starts at the top with the Chicago Bears who have Carolina's pick. Yeah, it's going to be the the, the most talked about discussion over the next handful of weeks to months as to what the Chicago Bears are going to do with the top of the draft at quarterback. Because if if Justin Fields is your guy, you need to embrace that, move forward, and really push for that. If he's not, you need to investigate every single opportunity. And, And right now, do you do you think Justin Fields is a top 16 guy in the league and has the potential to be a top 10 guy? If you don't think that, then you better get another quarterback because yep. you know Couldn't. this is your chance. Um, and Caleb Williams might be your guy. If, if you think that he is there, then you surround him with a cast that, that can help him get there. And that means best wide receiver available. I mean, even though you may want to trade it, you know what, probably just should push the button on, on Marvin Harrison and get 
you know, just really elevate that offense. But after what we saw yesterday and, and we've seen for a lot of this season, I, I think Justin Fields has the potential to be a top half quarterback in the league, maybe not the uh, top third. And, and if that's the case, then I think the Bears should probably consider going after Caleb Williams in the draft and, and doing mm-hmm. something with Fields. And there's going to be a lot of, there would be a lot of suitors because there's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there right now. That's absolutely for sure. Who do you like tonight, Doc, and why? I like Michigan. I think their defense is, is uh, superior to whatever Washington has faced. I've seen Michael Penix play really well. I've seen him play really poorly. I think this is going to be a challenge for him to go against a team like Michigan, the way they, they defend the deep ball, as physical as they are, the way they tackle. I think this could be one of those games where you, you're expecting a shootout. You hope it's going to be a lot of fun, and then Michigan's just going to um, you know, wrestle them to submission and, and probably win by double figures. Kind of see it the same way. Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you as always. Have a wonderful week. Anything you'd like to promote at The Athletic before we let you go? Yeah, the, today I started off with my Iowa offensive depth chart and broke down the positions. Tomorrow will be defense. I wanted to push defense off because of these decisions. <laughs> then, you know, there's still one more to make. And and then uh, we'll start looking ahead a little bit more to the future and, and some of the recruiting uh, going on with Iowa probably later in the week. And before we know it, spring practice will be here. Good stuff. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Doc, thank you as always. We will talk to you in a week's time. Have a great week, Scott. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we check in on the Hawkeyes. Get our final time out. Our number one, Bama Bob Trent and I will talk more about the Natty tonight. We'll do that starting uh, with our number two. Alec Bussey on Iowa State joins us as well. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. 800 bets off. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Black Monday in the NFL. Already a handful of coaches have got their pink slip. Uh, some interesting decisions ahead. The one that's got my attention still, Trent, is uh, Jerry Jones when asked this morning about Mike McCarthy. Well, we're going to have to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's a vote of confidence if there ever was one. No, he's my guy. He's coming back. That was the furthest thing. Couldn't have been any more opposite. Um Where's Belichick going to end up? Dallas. Wouldn't that be? Could could those two work? I mean, we saw Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. uh, and Bill and uh, Jerry Jones could not, and this was after winning back to back championships. Um, what about Belichick and Jones? Could they do it? I think so. Um, now, would there be some contentious moments? I'm sure, but yeah, I, I think some of the things from Belichick and and some of the reports that are out there is if he stays in New England, more willing to. Bring in another set of eyes, right? Have a little bit taking away on the picking the players, right? Going to the grocery store yourself and mm-hmm. no, we're going to have somebody else do the shopping for you. And maybe that's something that does happen if he stays in New England. But, you know, it is unfortunate. Bill Belichick, we know, is a great coach, but the conversation is always going to go Oh, sure. with Brady. Yes. And they both needed each other and Brady ultimately got one without him in mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. But it's always going to be a part of his resume. He is... In today's day and age, with the salary cap and just the year-in, year-out, how different things are, to do what he did over a two-decade, even with a great quarterback, to do it in so many different ways shows you what a great coach. But for him, his legacy, it will always be tied to Tom Brady. 
Yeah, it will. And Brady's will be tied to him. And I don't care what happened in Tampa that one year. Yes, he does have that. But those two uh, uh, did something we well, I don't think ever see again as far as the domination for that period of time in a cap era like we're in, a hard cap era like we're in the NFL. Hour two, Bama Bob, Trent and I will talk college football, the Nationals championship to start it. Alec Bussey listened to T.J. Otzelberger's press conference. He joins us at 1230 Miller & Condon on 106.3 K.